0: Tanguma here with the third and final part of the Stargazing series, where we look at the career and journey of Starboy Charlie, who is only 17 years old, but yet has been in the business for six years. Yes, he started training at age 11. On the first episode, we talked to Starboy Charlie himself, and then on the last episode a few days ago, I talked to Rick Luxury, someone who has wrestled Charlie more than any other person on the planet. So if you haven't, go and check those two episodes out either on the archives on the RSS feed, or on the BulletCast YouTube channel. And now on this episode, we talk to Sparky Ballard. He is a longtime indie promoter and a referee. I have known him only as a referee. I did not realize that he was a promoter for Gold Rush Wrestling here in the Bay Area. So if you want to check out those shows, go and hit him up over at Gold Rush uh, Pro Wrestling. And he is Pretty much famous for being a referee. That's the way I knew him for such a long period of time. The whole gimmick for APW is that all the referees get booed until Sparky comes out who does the title matches or the main event and he'll get the big pop. So it was kind of cool to see Sparky out of his element or what I'm used to seeing him as. And it was kind of weird to see him in street clothes. But uh, that being said, a really good interview. Sparky runs the Gold Mine, the wrestling training camp where Charlie first started off, and he still trains at today. It's a little bit different. They moved places. They still are in Pacifica, California. So if you are looking to become a pro wrestler, a manager, anything really having to do with the pro wrestling world, go and check that place out. I would highly recommend you guys go and train there. And we, uh, he knew him ever since he started training. His mother called him up and asked him to join his training school, and he was a little hesitant at first, but uh, since Charlie's mom, who I did talk to, and she's a really nice lady. Very interesting story as well. She is a uh, runs a boxing gym. Not only uh, she runs a few other boxing gyms, but she also has a specific niche where she runs one for women, and she, you know, really is in that uh, genre of boxing where she's really trying to bolster up the women boxing scene here in the Bay Area. So uh, she is a fun story as well, Blanca Gutierrez. If you want to go check out her uh, Babyface Boxing beautiful brawlers all under her umbrella so definitely go and check that out this is my talk with sparky ballard also on the rick similar to the rick luxury one uh this was not supposed to be a podcast interview i was just interviewing him for the newspaper article i was doing so the audio quality isn't that good uh well it's okay but for some reason i've I did the exact same thing with Rick Luxury. I talked to him on my phone, but for some reason, when I try to export it, it sounds perfectly fine on my phone. But then when I try to bounce it and put it on my laptop to edit and put all this stuff together, it just kind of sounds a little bit weird. I sound a uh, real deep voice. I sound a little bit like Darth Vader. So I, I did a little things to try to make it a little bit better, but. Uh, it's doable. It's listenable, but it's just, if you hear me talk, if you hear somebody talk, that's asking the questions. That is supposed to be me. It might not sound like it, but uh, maybe it's a better version of me from now on for all the podcasts. I'll just lower my voice so I'll sound a little bit cooler. But here it is, Sparky Ballard talking about what it was like when he got the call from Sparky's mom, from Charlie's mom, uh, when he was 11 to join a pro wrestling training.
1: Yeah, she came and said that her son wanted uh, to wrestle, and I asked her how old he was, and she told me that he was like 12 or something at the time, even though I think he was really 11. But uh, she said that she wanted to support him in possibly joining up our program. Now, normally we don't accept kids that are younger than 16, but... Uh, said she ran a boxing company that kind of goes off a lot of the same principles and respect of for the business uh, that we're into um you know she's training little kids and women how to be boxers and if she supports you know charlie in wanting to pursue his passion with pro wrestling um you know i was open-minded about it i I told charlie that you know school needed to come first um and you know wrestling is a something that's definitely good to get into early on. But, you know, he definitely got in there really early. Is His mom, being an Olympic coach, you know, has the theory that if you really want um, an athlete to be at their prime uh, when they're in their physical prime and have that experience and knowledge to make the most of it when, you know, they're in the physical condition to you know take the most advantage of it not being too young not being too old because by the time charlie is 21 he'll have 10 years of experience in professional wrestling which is pretty unheard of uh for most people who get into the sport a lot of people get in when they're like 20s and their 30s and by the time they got 10 years in there they need to quit because their body's kind of you know, on the outs because it is a young guy's kind of sport um I told him that I'd give him a shot, and if he did good, then you know maybe it might open the door to other people in the future uh, who are younger, you know. But I told him if he messed up, that I probably would never consider giving another younger kid of his age a chance. And uh, you know, he was very humble. He was very uh, focused, um, and he just had a lot of maturity uh, for a young kid that I think helped him become successful. You know, as early as it is, because he's only been at it for, what, five, six years now. So, he's wow. you know, still relatively young in the business, but still a lot of experience for, for his age, for sure. So.
2: so, before you met Charlie, would you say you would have let your kid, if they wanted to wrestle at age 11, yeah. you would have let them, but maybe now that Charlie's done it, would you be a little more open-minded to that, or...?
1: Yeah, we, we, we had another kid named Jameson who I think was like maybe a year older than Charlie was when he started, but it was very reminiscent of when Charlie did start. Unfortunately, uh, school got to be a little bit too much for him, so he had to, to step away. But if it wasn't for Charlie, I would have never gave Jameson a, an opportunity. So, um, you know, um, whether you're big, fat, old, skinny, uh, young or whatever, if, you're, if you've got the heart for pro wrestling, I'm willing to... Help you achieve your goal if you're willing to put in the work. Um, I, I don't I wouldn't want to tell anybody no, but you know there are limitations uh, that that go into the decisions of what you're capable of. You know, like. But there's a there's a position in pro wrestling for everybody if you really want to be a part of it. You know, it might not be what you initially kind of get into the program to want to do, but you know, I've had I've seen a lot of wrestlers who couldn't cut it uh, for what it t- would take to be a wrestler, so they decided to become a referee or a manager or announcer, um, you know, or some of them even became bookers. You know, so like there's other avenues of being a part of pro wrestling if you're, like, your first initial thing doesn't work out you know so so yeah I, I would you know I, I wouldn't want to tell anybody that they couldn't live their dream really work
2: so could you talk a little about Charlie's journey how's he grown what does he do so well as a pro wrestler
1: he listens <laughs> he listens and he keeps his mouth shut he asks the questions when things come up he he's very imaginative and uh, the ideas of what he wants to do inside the ring uh, physically and, you know, uh, coming into the creative role of what we could do with him character-wise. Um, you know, I started him out as kind of like a little sidekick manager when we first started out. Uh, one of the guys he was managing was his, tr- was his trainer, uh, Matt Carlos at the time, um, with, with uh, Dalton Frost. They were the resident cowboys, so he was known as Cowboy Charlie when I first started him out. Um, as he started progressing in the ring during training, uh, we decided to get him more involved in, in being not so much as a sidekick, but someone who would actually have a spot or be intricate within the the show itself. And we just kind of kept building on that. And, uh, we did some shows that, you know, maybe weren't as pressured with, you know, uh, paying fans, like we did a lot of taco shows and a lot of little flea market things that we would help put on and it was uh, opportunities to where things didn't have to be as serious for storytelling as far as the long run it was like, alright, who you know Charlie, who do you want to wrestle today? I-, I would really like to wrestle this guy, alright cool, this is our chance to do it the, the things where we're not confined by storylines and things like that so, uh, and after seeing him kind of get those opportunities and seeing what he was his abilities like excelling and kind of making him, making him blowing me away with wow that's that's our kid in there doing you know, the, the cool stuff that he that he's doing in the ring and uh so, I started challenging him. You know, obviously, a little kid is easy to like, so we always had him as a baby face. But then uh, later on, uh, within the Gold Rush realm, I wanted to do a storyline to challenge him to be a bad guy. Because I think it's just as important to be a diverse uh, performer to know how to be a good guy, how to be a bad guy. Um, so, we had him kidnapped and, uh, we had him, uh, brainwashed and he became a part of the creepy show carnival who were the main rivals of the resident cowboys for, for years that we had a feud going on with them. And, uh, so now he had a chance to be creepy and, you know, he's a little reluctant on some ideas. I had him come out with a pig mask because I always said, you know, having a mask coming out as a pig, I said, you don't have to wrestle in it because he doesn't want to wrestle in a mask, which I think I, th- he should, uh, be a little bit more open-minded, to to kind of diversify himself for, for future opportunities. But, you know, I said, just wear the pig mask out. Just kind of look creepy. And then when you get in the ring, take the mask off. And he put little bags under his eyes to make it look like he had slept in a long time. And kind of give him a little, um, uh, what's the... From the monsters, uh, Eddie Monster, you know, kind of a, a little Eddie Monster. So we actually called him Charlie Monster uh, for a little bit, uh, changing the name from Cowboy Charlie to that. Um, we did that for about a good half a year, kind of giving him a chance to do things that he normally do, like choking people and biting people and doing cheating things, because normally uh, he had never done that stuff before. Um, but he his get into wrestling, you know, there's ideas of, do I come up with my own character or are people going to come up with characters for me? I came up with Cowboy Charlie. I came up with Charlie Monster. He always had the idea of wanting to be Starboy Charlie. So I had an idea within the storyline premises of how to go from Cowboy Charlie to being Charlie Monster to becoming Starboy. So we... uh, (laughs) in the land of wrestling you're only limited by your imagination so we had uh, a little lucky the leprechaun who got a hold of some stardust and uh, that was going to make Charlie go back from being a monster to, to being a star so uh, at some point in one of the shows he got hit with the stardust and he transformed back and woke up out of his evil uh, ways and, uh, and when we had our last show I really wanted to kind of give him that momentum that he needed to really put over being this star boy. And um, we had a cage match for the future of our training center at the time, and uh, and we won it. And Charlie was the sole survivor in a cage match. It was probably one of the youngest competitors in a cage match that I have ever participated in. Um, and it was just a really cool moment uh, to see him progress from all those levels of being the sidekick to having spots to being uh, a kid wrestling as a resident cowboy to having a twist to being a bad guy to ultimately become meeting the fruitation of his vision of what he wanted to be rather than me grooming him through the, the gimmicks that I had him leading up to that so
2: So your thoughts on charlie being a little bigger fixture the last two years wrestling a lot more often kind of the success he's seen uh you know connected with the crowd and having good matches
1: so i think like at first like a lot of people were really apprehensive just like i was to start training a kid so young but then to like actually book one um you know but i i believed in charlie and being one of my kids i I always you know he, he was one of my focuses and obligations, if you will, as a mentor to get him the platform so that people could, uh, see his potential you know because I knew it because I, I could see it from all the things that he was doing in the ring with training the things he was doing on my events I just had to get other people to see it um, once I once I kind of convinced uh, Marcus Mack to, he had an idea and he finally started seeing what Charlie was doing too and he runs our sister promotional pro wrestling um there's another guy scott um he seen what i was doing with charlie he saw what he was doing at apw uh so he started booking him on the west coast uh pro wrestling and that just kind of uh the the exposure that all three of those companies have with the internet and getting other uh, people beyond just our local area to see what he could do uh really helped out a lot um with getting him, like, booked on Game Changer Wrestling, which will hopefully get even more eyes on Charlie and and keep busting those bubbles and expanding those horizons. And uh, in the meantime, I think just, you know, having a a, a good core support group that, you know, uh, gives him good opportunities while he's local uh, to hopefully get, enough eyes on him to where you know he can get signed in the future and and go to you know bigger platforms than what we even we could provide so
2: uh so maybe just kind of stepping back talking about the bay area wrestling scene in general just kind of your thoughts on where it's come from where it is right now and what do you think it can go to in the future
1: Um, I think it's I think it's gotten a lot better like when I first started out everyone was kind of more segregated to kind of just dealing with their own promotion so it was kind of hard to kind of expand out and kind of uh, get other opportunities but I think as time went on I think uh, people became more open-minded to working with each other and kind of cross-promoting and and giving uh, not just their guys the sole opportunities at their promotion it was like hey let's the fans the best show let's get the best from all the areas um so I think like by working with each other um you know with our training school we're like heavily involved with uh doing ring rentals for a lot of other promotions which you know gives our guys opportunities to get in the door to earn it um and there's a lot of people putting you know with the internet and stream uh doing streaming and stuff it's really Helped out a lot in, in in getting the exposure on our guys. I think a, a lot of people said that NorCal was a kind of a graveyard of just a lot of uh, hidden gems, if you will. Um, but I think with the internet and getting on YouTube and Fight TV and these kind of things have helped, you know, expand um, the exposure that our the guys in our areas have gotten. And you know, you have you've seen the effects that it has because you know you get people like Shotzi Blackheart. And, jeff cobb and uh adam thornstow with the reno scum and uh nice even saw like chris bay you know uh getting signed to, to impact so you know there's a lot of cool things that have come come out of our area through through that exposure and and through the people who put in the hard work and deserve it um and where, and where is it going in the future? I hope it ke- still keeps going good with guys like Rick Luxury, myself, Marcus Max, Scott. Um, you know, we're trying to give the best platform that we can give through um, the teachings that we were given before us and to just keep that standard alive and keep it moving forward and keep trying to figure out new ways of getting the exposure for our guys to – Keep going because the more of our guys from our area that go to these bigger companies, the more people we have in those companies to vouch for more of our guys to get the opportunity to go there. So, um, you know, we got a lot of cool opportunities with WWE coming around where guys get opportunities with that. So, um, you know, to get on even then you know world worldwide level uh, exposure and hopefully you know the from those tryouts and those uh, rubbing elbows and those experiences hopefully they'll be memorable to where they can get a full-time job there because yeah. yeah. that's really the ultimate goal you're never going to get famous being local so but you gotta you gotta put your your work in with being local to earn the opportunities you know outside so where you can really get famous and get people to really know who you are and really you know take wrestling by the horns and travel the world
2: so wrestling you might consider it like a hidden community because like people there's a lot of people who like it but there's also a lot of people who scoff at it or don't even know what's going on around here what are your thoughts about Uh, you know just kind of wrestling kind of in a bubble to where a lot of people might not know what's going on
1: yeah i mean it blows my mind i've been running shows in pacifica since 2012 and when someone goes oh i didn't even know there was wrestling here i'm like man i literally wallpaper pacifica with with our flyers how do they not know well i don't know you know it's it's kind of a niche thing you know If, if you look for it you're gonna find more than you even care to know to be honest with you but you know if you find your niche of what you like in pro wrestling, I, I think uh, I think you can find that, that, that one place that you like to go to and, and really support it. Um, you know or be willing to drive to where you need to go to 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 go see the shows that you want. You know
2: What would you say to someone who's never seen Pro Wrestling, why should they check it out? Uh, they should
1: check it out because it's a it's great entertainment. It's a chance to get lost in a live action uh, drama without any consequences uh, for yourself. As far as like getting to yell at people and tell them what you think and not having uh, the repercussions of what would happen if you said that to somebody on the street. You know, it's a it's a good outlet for energy. Um, I think people can get uh, inspired by people's. Uh, struggles and upcomings um it's like a live story comic book that um, you know defies defies gravity and has creative characters that you know i think i think if a show's done correctly i think there's a little something for everybody from kids to parents to grandparents uh just to having the family unit go out and enjoy a good time together and and getting to cheer on their favorites and getting to boo the guys that they don't like. Um, uh, It's fan interactive. I think, like, that's one of the reasons why I got into pro wrestling is because I was having so much fun sitting there in a chair as a fan that I wanted to be a part of it, you know. So because as a fan within independent wrestling, I almost feel like you do feel like you're a part of the show because the wrestlers should be including you to be a part of the show.
2: So quickly, just your background. How long have you been in the business?
1: Uh, I debuted 12 years ago, but I had about eight months of training before I debuted. So, you know, about eight and a half years since I kind of crossed the line uh, into pro wrestling. Um, It's taken me Australia. It's taken me... Uh, I've gotten to, to referee at the SAP Center in San Jose.' Um, uh, gotten to meet uh, idols that I 've seen on TVs you know it's definitely changed my life hundred uh, percent and in a good way and it's, it's challenged me in ways that I probably would never have been challenged before, um, and it 's made me a better person because of this.